spent some time uh, at a couple of apartment complexes and asked some folks about church, about Jesus and about Turkey. And so we're going to call it Talk Turkey for some of you a part of that. Turkey for sure being a part of that. And of course, we are right now uh, collecting those canned foods um, for our turkey drive. So we actually have received one of those turkeys so far. And if you could bring those in, our president would be a part about that. Bring them in during our office hours, office time, and um, or you can use the box there in the foyer to drop off your non-perishable food items. So, all right. With that being said, uh, I think I've got all of our announcements. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. After we pray, would you please rise and welcome one another? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for the opportunity to be in this house this morning. I'm asking you, Lord, to reach out and touch us and bless us, fill us with your Holy Spirit. I'm praying, Lord God, you work in each and every one of our hearts. Encouraging anyone this morning who needs to come to know your personal Lord and Savior. Anyone, Father, who needs to get to other people, you let saved be that day. And I'm asking you now, in your holy and righteous name, to be glorified. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory. And in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Please rise and welcome one another. Make your way back to your seats. I have a short OCC video I want to share with you, but before I do that, I want to ask Sister BJ if she'd come up and share with us from her heart about OCC. Thank you very much, Sister BJ.
I may never see you again. And in the new heaven and in the new earth, I learned what the Bible says. That there was no more sin. Please understand what it says. There's nothing that's going to separate us ever again. Not one thing is going to keep us away from our families, from those we love. Nothing will be there to bring that kind of heartache ever again. John writes, there was no more sea. And that's how he describes heaven. Because his heart was longing and his heart was heavy for those seven churches just across the sea, a mile, just one mile away. But there was between them the sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth forever and ever. My Bible says, Today, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What comes to mind when we say the word heaven? Generally speaking, what pops in somebody's mind is eternal life. Amen? That's what most of us think about, eternal life. And they want me, usually, as pastor, to decide what heaven is like. A lot of people often come to me and say, can you tell me what's in heaven? And you know what I usually tell them? Like this, that means amen in the Baptist church. Jesus is in heaven, and when you get to heaven, you're going to be so occupied with Jesus, nothing else is going to matter, amen. You're going to be so occupied with looking at Him, you're going to look at Him, and the next thing you know, you're going to look away, and a thousand years have gone by. Because one day is of a thousand years, and a thousand years is of one day, and you're going to be looking at the wonders of the great I am, and the next thing you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years have passed by, and you wonder to yourself, what are you going to do for those thousand years? You're going to be so occupied looking at the great I am that nothing else matters. When you think of heaven, you might think of streets of gold. People often ask me about that too. Isn't heaven such the world's richest place, the world's popular place? No, you don't understand the history of heaven. Why is the asphalt gold in heaven? It's because the greatest thing that we can look at. Gold becomes so useless when you when you got Jesus, you might as well just walk on it. You might as well just walk on it. The walls are made out of jewels because nothing Nothing compared. Can you imagine seeing his face? Could you imagine seeing those nail holes in his hands and in his feet? Could you imagine seeing the star in his side? Could you imagine seeing where the crown of thorns was pressed down upon his precious brow for you and me? 
what comes to mind when we say the word presence? Brother Watson, how about this one? Very quickly. As a pastor, that's usually a lot that happens with me. Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for my family. Pastor, pray for my children. One of these days when we get to heaven, there will be no more sickness. Don't I get No more sickness. No more death. I want to be frank with you guys right now. Nobody likes death. Amen? It stinks, doesn't it? In fact, I take it literal. In John chapter 11, at the resurrection of Lazarus, when Jesus is ready to roll the stones away, Mary and Martha say, Lord, don't move that stone because inside it stinketh. Lord, death stinks. I want you to know death is not what we were made for. Death came about because there was no more sickness. What about this word? Does this word come to mind when you think of heaven? read in Revelation 21, verse 8, nothing unclean can enter there. Nothing unclean can be there. But let's stay focused on that word sickness. If you will, just a minute. If you're a Bible reader, you'll know that the word sick, if you use a modern day version, is often throughout the Bible. Let our eyes stay focused. Let our eyes stay fixed on Jesus. Only the fixed, only the repaired
and Eve who brought sin into this world. And once it was conceived, it brought forth death. And death now reigned supreme until the Son of God came. And He trampled over death by death, conquering the grave. Look with me in Genesis chapter 3. Let's read just a few verses here in chapter, or verses 9 through 11. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Remember, we're looking at how we experience those that brokenness. God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And we see the first broken thing when sin came in. Adam and Eve were already sinned. They sinned in the fact that they would taken the fruit and they eaten it. And Eve had given it to her husband. And she too ate of it. And they made for themselves coats of think of as little bitty. You might think of sin as only affecting you. And you're wrong. Sin affects everybody around you. Sin affects your family. Sin affects your church. Sin affects every person around you. It is cancerous. It spreads. It needs to be stopped. It needs to be checked. It needs to have a church today who stands up in a land that has embraced sin and starts combating sin. We need to go back to preaching against sin. We need to go back to being God's people standing on our principles Peaceful coolness of the day garden turned into something terrifying. 
rules and commandments for that reason. Because everything was vegetarian for that time. Everything you would keep at that time. You were sitting in a death ridden world. Could you imagine what it was like for Adam and Eve to see the fruit of the ground? To walk across that one day and see that fruit. God asked him, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? We're looking at that broken relationship. The very first one is broken with God. Genesis 3, 24, the Bible says, So he goes out the man, this is God, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword was turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. That relationship is now broken. And we read in Revelation 21 and verse 8 that those unclean things cannot enter in. We're broken. You're broken. And you might be sitting in the pews this morning stating, what is wrong with me and God? How come God's not hearing my prayers? How come God's not answering me? And I want you to know the answer to your problem is that you are broken. Something wrong with you. You might say, is it my fault? could not get that way. And let me tell you, this is the first picture of God's everlasting love and mercy and grace and truth. Because you know what would happen if Adam had ate from that tree? We would be living in a state like this forever. Eternal life in a state of fallen sin. Could you imagine that with no hope of ever getting better? Keeping Adam from reaching out and touching that and zooming up to the state forever. Can you imagine what it would be like with no hope of ever getting better? I know some of you are out there in the pews right now thanking God for what's coming in the future because when you die or when you get called in the rapture, you're getting a brand new body. Somebody say amen. That means I'm having no more arthritis. I'm having no more rheumatoid. I'm having no more bad vision. No more bad breath. No more baldness. No more bunion. I'm getting a brand new body. Thank just for Brother Josh. Amen. Yes. Can you imagine, though, if there was no hope in this body we live today? Broken in that sense, too. Full of cancer and disease and infection. Full of lies. Full of
broken. I am broken. But I am starting up now to know that I can't fix myself. I need a Savior. Broken relationships. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. But your iniquity has separated you from God. And I'm not here to ask you that. There's a difference between sin and iniquity. You want to know what iniquity is? Iniquity is lawlessness. Lawlessness. Where you live without regard to God's moral that's iniquity. That's lawlessness. Where God's law means nothing to you. I'm not talking about missing the mark. That's sin. Missing the mark. Or in other words, I didn't quite live up to the standard. Iniquity, your trespasses, is where I stepped over God's boundaries and said, I don't care. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. We're broken. I love humans. We think we're wonderful. We think we're on top of things. But we're the first ones to say, I'm spending too much time with that person. They're getting on my nerves. That's a product of sin, isn't it? Look with me in Genesis 3, verse 12. Then the man said to the woman, who gave, who, look, look at what Adam does. He throws his wife under the bus. The man said, the woman whom you gave me. You gave her to me, God, so really it's your fault. You gave her to me. She gave me the tree, and I ate. Father God, it's your fault. You ever done that to God? God, if you wouldn't have put me in that situation, I never would have sinned. And we begin a broken relationship, not just with God, but with each other. And when we realize we can't really blame God, we start blaming those around us. He tempted me. Children can be born foreign. Children can be born minus one chromosome. Cancers in the world, sicknesses in the world, diseases in the world, wars are evident. Famine is all over the place. No longer does the ground produce its strength for us. We have to work for it. We have to come up with new, innovative ways to try to feed ourselves. And if we don't stay on top of it, then the weeds reclaim what we've taken from it because sin now reigns supreme. sin into his family. The whole family experiences. When a mother brings sin into her life, the whole family experiences it. When a pastor, when a deacon, when a youth minister brings sin into the church, the whole church experiences the effects of that sin. You can say an amen or oh me about that. A world is broken because of sin. Want to know why there's war in the world? Want to know why we lie to each other? Want to know why things aren't the way they should be because this world is broken. And let me tell you right now, Christian, 
don't sit there being hopeless. Because one of these days, Jesus Christ is coming back. Well, I can't see anything. One of these days, He's coming back. And when He comes back, He's going to set this world back to right. He's going to put this world back to the way it should be. He's going to set it back up where His love comes forth out of Zion. And the world is crying to receive His love. Right now, the world is broken. And that's why children are born with illnesses. And that's why they're born with and that's why they're born being hurt. And that's why there's monsters in this world, in our prison system. Monsters who hurt, and monsters who rape, and monsters who break families, and monsters who destroy and dash little children to pieces. And that's why there's insanity in this world. Can you imagine the first time Adam and Eve? That's where God bless you must have come from. Amen. In fact, you ever thought about what it must happen? What must happen at an atheist convention when somebody sees it must be deafening silence, isn't it? Can you imagine what people do? What do you say when a bunch of atheists sneeze? They're like, nobody bless you. Whoa. Disease entered the world. Sickness entered the world.
mistake that Cain possibly made to his brother. Remember how innocent that first sin was? It was just a little whopper. It was just a little lie. It was a harmless lie. It was a white lie. I didn't eat of it. No, well, you know, she deceived me and gave it to me to eat. Look at verse 8, how sin is known now. Just one practice. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. Can you imagine that sin working in Abel's heart? I mean, working in Cain's heart. Can you imagine that sin bringing forth anger and rage in his heart? And to the point he got alone with his brother in the field. And the Bible says Cain goes up against Abel, his brother, and kills him. And that sin began to I wonder how much sleep he lost laying there in his bed thinking, doggone that Abel, he stole my blessing. Abel got God's respect and I didn't. Why that Abel thinks he's better than I am? Next thing you know, that sin began to rule in his heart. It began to rule in his life. And he ended up with a broken life. Whose life was broken? You want to say Cain? It was Cain's life was drastically changed. Because sin, brothers and sisters, affects you. Sin affects those around you. Sin affects those around you. Look with me in Luke 13, verses 10 to 17. Look with Jesus here. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. The Bible says she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Have you ever met somebody who's folded in half and cannot unfold themselves? Could you imagine that back cramp? I'm not trying to be funny, but could you imagine that cramp? Eighteen years! She's been like that. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. He laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. I know why she was praising God. You know, her hands were on her back, and she was like, What a relief! Could you imagine what happens when you let Jesus take sin out of your heart? What a relief it is! The Bible says he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the rumor of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom, listen to me now, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loose from his bond on the Sabbath. You think sin just affects you? It affects everybody around you. And it causes sin to go forth and spread like a cancer. And this woman was caught up in Satan's trap for 18 years. And Jesus freed her. I love what he says. Woman, thou art loose. You don't know her name. The Bible says that cast him over to the And he caught up with Satan's trap. Did you hear the call of the Savior this morning? Woman, thou art these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by Jesus. Not only do we have broken relationships, not only do we have broken lives, 
And that woman who was folded in half for 18 years obviously had a broken life. You know what else happened? She had broken pockets as well. Now it happened, this is Luke 7, verses 11 17. Now it happened the day after that, he went into a city called Nain. I'm not saying Nain, that's what it's called. And many of his disciples went with him for a large town. And when he came near the gates of the city, behold, still in the resurrection business? Absolutely. We're going to have a big one here soon, aren't we? You better believe it. God's not out of business. He's got a grand party. Get ready to have it. You make sure you get uh, RFVP to it. Just 
stories of being betrayed into. I need you to understand. The understanding is that in Jesus, we have life eternal. In Jesus, death can be put back where it belongs, outside of a world that is sinful. Because sin doesn't belong in God's world. And death doesn't belong in the world that doesn't have sin. You need to understand, when Jesus is walking through there, he does erect just a few people. The picture there is that Jesus is the resurrection. And that Jesus is the life. And that Jesus can conquer death. They're going to know right then and there. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27, and it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. And I'm telling you right now, you better make sure you have Jesus in your heart. You better make sure Jesus is your Lord and Savior right now, because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Ask the widow of Nain about her son, whether or not she thought he was going to be alive the next day. She would have said like the rest of us, absolutely, positively, he's young, he's healthy, he's strong, he's a good boy. And the next thing you know, she's carrying him to the cemetery. Thanks be to God that she ran into Jesus. And thanks be to God you can have contact with Jesus this morning. The Bible tells us what happens when we die. We're appointed for judgment and that's made right there. Look at the end, Luke 16, 25, 26. Once you're judged, there is no coming back. There is no purgatory. Don't get mad at me. There is no way to earn your way out of hell. There is nothing you can do. Look at me in Luke 16, 25 to 26. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Distinct fixed. It's been set there on purpose to keep separation so that those who want to pass from here to us or here to you cannot, nor can those in there pass to us. They cannot come out. They cannot go forth. They cannot... Let me tell you right now, there is no ghost. They don't go around haunting you from hell. They don't go around haunting you from heaven. There is a great ghost. much as you may love your body, it will not inherit heaven. When the rapture comes, it's going to be just, it's going to disappear. We're going to get a new body. If we are alive until Jesus comes back, we are going to get new bodies. Look at me in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Quickly now, because I'm running out of time. Remember, this sinful body has to be fixed. The Bible says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And remember, sleep is a, a euphemism. It's a metaphor for dying. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. How fast is the twinkling of an eye? Let me tell you, when Betsy first winked at me, it was a lifetime. Amen? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, how fast is a wink? At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed instantly. This body has been 
to be fixed. And the only way it can be fixed is you just tell us. And by the way, this part is important. You need to be fixed. You're broken. We need to be fixed. Listen to me, Romans 10, verses 6 to 11. The Bible tells us we need to be fixed. And the Bible tells us how to be fixed. But what does it say? This is Romans 10, verse 8. What does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes in the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made in salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. You're a sinner, Lord. There's no secret. You know why? Because we're sinners. We live in a broken world. You want to know what proof that lies lies still exist? Just watch any politician, amen? They promise the moon. You want you want proof that lies still exist? Go to any public school system. And listen to what our teachers now tell those kids. You could be a girl if you want to be a girl. You could be a boy if you want to be a girl.